I'm Andrew Haynes, and this is the Fair Game Podcast, the place where we talk about all things golf. For this episode, we've got two awesome ladies. The first is Bonnie Riddle, founder and CEO of Sierra Madre Golf, a new brand creating modern pieces for women on and off the course. The second is Olivia Herrick, a graphic designer who you may not know by name, but whose skill set has been sought after by some of the biggest names in the game. Let's get started. Welcome to the Fair Game Podcast. How are we doing on this lovely overcast Monday? Well, it's overcast here in New York. We got multiple cities on the pod today. Where are you guys? I'm in Charlotte right now, and it's it's pretty sunny, not to rub it in. <laughs> and it is also sunny in Minneapolis. Oh, my goodness. Really? Yeah. It's like you could play golf today, but you would definitely be miserable in New York. But that's how it goes. We did have a nice weekend, so... I can't, I can't complain too much. So thanks for being on the pod. We love to start with the question about like how people get into golf. Cause that's always fun. And you hear some really wild stories, but I wanted to give a quick little, uh, sidebar preamble. So Olivia and I, uh, worked together. I don't want to say for years cause it wasn't that, that long. Maybe it was on and off for a while, but my job prior to joining fair game was not in golf. I was an eight, I was a creative director at an agency. Um, and we did a bunch of kind of like rebranding work and, uh, some of that included like baby food and other packaging brands and stuff. Um, and I feel like I randomly found Olivia. I can't remember how, but I was like, oh, I like her work and she's got a really cool style. And then we linked up and like worked on a couple of projects together. And then I don't even think it even came up in conversation while we were working. It's like, oh, like, do you golf? Do you golf? And it's like, no, but apparently like. Olivia has a massive back golf background, which we'll get into. And then this is technically our, also our first video call together. We just worked on the phone via email, texting back and forth, just old school. And here we are. Yeah, full circle. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Maybe Olivia, you go first. So because just because I don't even know the story, how did you get into golf? So I have been playing golf for a long time, probably since I was, you know, maybe eight or nine. Um, my dad loved golf and I think his master plan was getting me to love golf as well. There are many bribes, many Snickers bars <laughs> that were used to lure me to the golf course and it totally works. I love candy. That's another fun fact about me, but that was a hundred percent success right there. So slowly I started to love it more and more and, you know, played in high school, ended up getting recruited and played division one golf in college, which was really great um, and a, amazing gift uh, for me in that, you know, I was able to meet some really incredible lifelong friends and also just really have my love of the game deepened. I was not very good. I was kind of on like an upward trajectory through college. The best I had ever been was at the very end of college. And so a lot of people, I think, especially now, you know, everyone's specializing so much younger these kids are playing tournaments year round at like 12 years old. And so I'm grateful to grow up when I did because I really had that enthusiasm to keep playing through college. And then I've played ever since then. I play in amateur events every summer. So I will play within, you know, Minnesota and all of our amateur events and then also in the broader country in some amateur events. And so it's still a really big part of my life. And that has kind of transferred over. I have a deep understanding of the industry, um, both as a consumer and also as a competitive golfer. And so 
I now serve and work with a lot of golf clients in a variety of different capacities. And so it's really fun for that kind of personal interest of mine to have infiltrated my business and now be a big part of my day-to-day work. Yeah, it's awesome. I feel like it's also one of the things where it's not very often when you're able to let your, I don't know, which is cool because we're all on this podcast and we all have our collective jobs, but being able to do your job, but then also do what you love, which I think is really, really, really cool and powerful. Do you have, I'm curious, two questions, Olivia. One, favorite candy, because you threw it out there, so I have to know. What's the the go-to? Very curious about this too. (laughs) Well, I love anything sour. So, you know, when you go to like those bulk candy shops, especially the like Swedish ones where everything is so sour, you feel like it's like burning off your tongue. That is my ideal zone. So anything that's like gummy and sour, I have no interest in chocolate, no interest in peanut butter. Don't waste my time. Really exclusively pretty much sour candy. Oh my gosh. My favorite. I also am a burn your tongue off kind of sour candy gal. (laughs) But my favorite are the strawberry strips out of the bulk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So good. Especially if it's bottom of the bin, all all that Mm. extra sour stuff. Totally. Like maybe a little stale, too. That's like the perfect zone for me. Crunch. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm a line. I think this is going to be a good podcast. I, too, love sour candies. And I also love gummy bears. Like anything chewy is great. Like the more, I don't know if it's like citric acid powder, the more you can put on there, the better. It's almost like a, a hybrid of a sour Skittle, but also, do you remember the Warheads, like the sour Warheads from like back in the day? Of course. Yeah. Like that level of, maybe a couple crazy sour ones in there, like almost like if you're getting shishito peppers and one is really spicy, like one of them is crazy sour. That would be fun. Um, Mixed with the chewy texture, also a thing that's very important. Haribo gummy bears are the best because they're like super chewy and they, and you don't like eat them super fast. So I think like, a hybrid of the three things together would be ideal for me. Are we about to start a secondary business, you guys? The candy business? I kind of think we need like a Chex Mix of sour candy so you get like the full spectrum. Oh, yeah. We could sell this. This could work. Yeah, well. I would we'll eat that. Another, oh, 100%. That's a perfect little turn snack. I agree. So, Bonnie, it's your turn. So, tell us a little bit about how you how you got into golf one and then a little bit about Sierra Madre. Yeah, so I got into golf later in life, and I got into golf because of a boy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was dating this guy who, who's now my husband, so the uh, story comes full circle. But um, he asked if I wanted to play golf, and I said, of course, I would love to play golf. <laughs> didn't own golf clubs, golf clothes, none of it. I went to the store. I bought one golf club because uh, I was like why do I I don't need all of these um and I showed up to the golf course swing like yoga leggings like the capri ones were very in at the time and a polo that I got for free uh it felt very wrong but that was my introduction to golf I really liked the sport but I felt really uncomfortable in what I was wearing uh and then the cherry on top was I was quite bad <laughs> um and so I thought over years, I was like, well, I just, I just want to find this one product. Um, I really wanted a mock neck for women because I, I grew up in Northern California. Polos and colored shirts weren't, weren't quite my vibe. It didn't give me confidence, um, but I didn't want to get kicked off the golf course easy either. And so uh, 
that was what I was looking for. And that's kind of how Sierra Madre was born was there, this, this product doesn't exist for the maybe new golfer to get her on the golf course, make her feel confident. And then also let her go off the golf course and not feel like she's wearing a golf costume. Um, so that was my intro to golf. Um, and that's how Sierra Madre got started. Uh, and then it's, it's interesting, Olivia, you're saying how you play in tournaments and before the podcast started recording, we're talking about how we need more scrambles. I'm scramble queen, not in the sense that I'm good, but in the sense that I love them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that gets people into golf and it totally breaks down intimidation barrier. Uh, and so my goal when I'm on the golf course is just to be kind of everybody's cheerleader. Um, and every once in a while we'll get, we'll pick my ball (laughs) and a scramble. Love it. Just every once in a blue moon. Scrambles are fantastic. I just played in one this weekend and it wasn't even 18 holes. It was, it was, this was crazy. Uh, it was, we played 12 holes just because we ran out of time because they had like dinners and stuff. One. And then two, we played as a, well, we played four, four people per team and then, but then you would play two groups at a time. So we basically played as eight just to be efficient. It was like 300 guys. It was crazy, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, I agree. Scrambles are, scrambles are one of the things that, I don't know, we've all done them as golfers, but then for some reason, like you only do them when it's like a big, like event thing. I think it'd be fun to, and I don't know, maybe some golfers wouldn't like this to play to pay a, a full green fee rate and end up in a scramble, but it could be fun for a club to say, Hey, today's scramble day. And the, the green fee is slightly reduced and they just fill slots as fours or maybe or threes and fours. And like they give away like a really awesome price. It's just fun. Like there's no, you're right. Like the pressure's off. Everyone can contribute. I mean, I, the only thing that I actually contributed were drives. Everything else was trash wedges, trash, putting terrible. Like I, so many, so many lift out putts, but yeah, but it's fun. So when you hit like one shot and then like it gets the group going, it makes you feel good. And that's all you need for the day. So yeah, I fully support a scramble. We, uh, we uh, had a scramble series in, in Austin this past summer, which was, it was so hot out. It's kind of wild that we had an evening scramble, but we just, we did it. Um, and something magical about it is we had a whole spectrum of players, the brand new had never touched a golf club to players from UT (laughs) Uh, and people really embraced the kind of free, not super competitive side of golf, which I had not seen before. And we sure we do like a closest to the pin sort of thing, but we'd also do like best dress for like, we'd have costumes. You have like a Barbie thing and like a golf cowgirl thing. Um, And so I think those little differentiators of just not just classic competition, I think they're really healthy for for everybody no matter how good or new you are at golf for sure olivia do you have a favorite format way way to play maybe i'll give you two favorite competitive way to play because you know we just had the up here we just had the u.s the minute the mid-am which is multiple formats i'd be curious to hear what is your favorite social way to play and then your favorite competitive way to play golf i have to admit that i don't play in a lot of super fun events I played in my first kind of fun thing in a long time this summer and it was so fun I got done and I told my friend that invited me I was like I kind of forgot that you can play golf and not be crushed under stress the entire time (laughs) when you're playing tournaments like it's fun 
but it's also, oh, it's really intense. Um, so I would say for fun, I mean, I love a scramble. Like I would play a scramble any day of the week. I think they're just an absolute blast. Competitively, I love the format of the US Midium. I think it's like a very pure way of playing golf where you play, you know, gross competitive stroke play rounds to qualify and split into match play with a cut. Um, something else we can talk about, I think, is that the Sleepy, where they had the US Midium and Stonewall, mm-hmm. where they had the US Midium, where I was, I think it's maybe the best logo duo of a Midium in history because the Sleepy logo is incredible. And the Stonewall logo is a cow with a club in its mouth. Also incredible. So we can get into that later. But um, so my favorite (laughs) formats are scramble and stroke play cut to match play. Nice. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like stroke play is, it's fun, but like every stroke does count. So, you know, at a certain point you're like, oh no, but like, you know, match play and like, I'm, I'm a big skins guy. Like skins are fun because it's like, you know if you just play right on the right hole, like you're golden. So anyways, but yeah, let's actually talk about that right now. Cause I want to talk about fun logos. Cause even Sierra Madre, you guys have a logo. Bonnie, are you a, like a designer by trade? Like, or are you doing everything? Like what's, what's the team look like over there? Um, so everybody kind of does everything, but my background's actually in finance. Um, so I don't know that I have a whole lot of business starting a fashion company, but my co-founder is a fashion designer. Cool. And so we'll come together on vision and whatnot. Um, I actually designed the logo or I worked with an artist to design the logo before she joined. So we kind of joke that the logo is ugly colors because it's pre-Michelle <laughs> days and now I don't get to pick colors. <laughs> but in terms of roles, I do a bit of everything. Um, talking about marrying like passions with your work. My one of my favorite days is finance day. <laughs> I like love that day for me. Um, but then I think the most fun is coming up with the designs and what we want the theme of our collections to be and, um, and, and logos and working with graphic designers. I'm not one, but I can <laughs> certainly appreciate the skill because I've tried to design things and it's so bad <laughs> um, when you don't have that gift or the skill set or the experience. Um, you kind of need all those. So mad respect for you too. For sure. Mad respect for finance, by the way. No, I was going to say the same thing, which I think is what's cool. And as I've aged, I feel like I this becomes even more clear to me, but it's so neat that we all have these interesting things that we specialize in and that really we need everyone kind of collectively to bring almost anything, you know, to fruition, you, you rarely can do anything totally on your own. And so I love hearing people talk about what they're passionate about, especially when it's so far away from what I am personally passionate about. Oh yeah. It's funny. I am such a nerd, but yeah, I love an Excel, um, but I can appreciate all the other hats that I wear that I have worn because I think as a, as a founder of a business, it's important to kind of try everything because then you can understand expectations and how things actually work and so before um i I partnered with michelle my my co-founder i was drawing things on on paper and i didn't know how to get to the next step but it's like even stuff like that it's like i've I've tried it or um you know packing orders responding to customer emails setting up a website a product page um, all those things that i've i had to struggle through for months to really truly appreciate um, the skill that every part of a business um, 
really requires. So it really, it's like, it's funny. It takes a village, but it kind of just starts with you. <laughs> oh, for sure. Now, Bonnie, wait, are you from Austin? I'm not. I've, I lived in Austin for five-ish years, um, but I born and raised in the Bay Area. And then I went to undergrad in Texas and just kind of stuck around. So I've just kind of migrated, migrated East, but I do love the Western spirit. That's like at the core of of our brand and tying it back to logos. Our logo is like very, very Western. And even the name Sierra Madre, that's the mountain range that runs from Mexico into Southern California and the South of Texas. Um, And so we try to create with like this Western spirit or quite literally like in the logo design, Western art and cactus and all of that. Cause we love the, um, this is a Western motif of being kind of rebellious. And then I don't think you see that for, for <laughs> brands in golf super often until recently, um, but especially not for women's brands. Um, so we really wanted to do something that we felt aligned with, with all that. For sure. No, cause I was curious because I mean, especially as a designer and Olivia, you've probably seen this too, is that uh, Austin, like as like a Texas city has like a very unique aesthetic. And when you see brands that are there, you just kind of like, it's, it's hard to even put into words, but it's like, it's just this Austin vibe where it's, it's very design forward, but it has this like, but it's not like overly country. It, it has this interesting hybrid of, it's kind of hippie and kind of retro, but then also kind of modern at the same time. It's very design forward, which I was like interesting, but it's, it's cool to hear. I didn't know the Sierra Madres ran through, it ran from Mexico to California, then also through Texas. Is the your other co-founder from Texas? Because if she was, that'd be freaking awesome. Oh gosh, I wish I. Uh, she's from Denver. <laughs> we actually met in a yoga class, so it was like a big yogi um, pre-golf, and I was a coach in a yoga training because I used to teach yoga, and Michelle was in that class, and um, I added her as a friend on Facebook, which I feel like is so makes me sound so old now. <laughs> um, but I'm thinking she had worked at Marquesia, um, couture designer. And that just stuck with me. I was like, that is so Ooh. sick. I grew up watching Project Run Runway and wanting to be this creative person, but then I chose this finance track, which was just kind of funny. But um I thought it was really cool. And then I had had this idea of percolating for Sierra Madre. And then one day I and I was really like, we're going to, I'm going to figure out how to start this business. I bought a sewing book and I realized I didn't know how to start it. <laughs> and so I sent her a Facebook message and um, the rest was kind of history. Nice. That's really cool. Wait, so you guys met in Cali or in, in Austin? In Austin. Yeah. Nice. So the heart and soul of our company really is, is Austin. And I think, at least I hope we get that kind of like weird forward yet Western vibe from from the logo because um that i think we're a little weird <laughs> oh 100 what is the and i know you just moved but i'm sure you're very familiar with it like what is the golf live vibe in austin like these days yeah i so one of the reasons we wanted to start the company in austin because the golf vibe i think is impeccable <laughs> uh i like that it's not super judgmental like I don't go to a range and judge people for what they're wearing or you know what kind of golf bag they have and uh, what's in their bag or even so much how good they are at golf um I think it's a pretty warm place um and welcoming 
for new golfers and there are some spots specifically that just like all guards are down no judgment swing easy like you see that a lot and you feel it um it, one spot is called butler pitch and putt in austin which um it's a nine hole par three course and i think people you don't even need to wear shoes <laughs> it's like the bars is really low but i think it sets the tone for how a lot of people feel about golf in austin right. which makes i, I think it allowed me to get more into golf because I felt welcomed by the sport there and by the people. That's cool. I was going to say it reminded me, um, I was just in Sand Valley a couple of weeks ago, which was amazing. But uh, they have like a little par three there called the Sandbox. And we went out, uh, we went out barefoot and played. And that was the first time that I had ever played golf barefoot. And vibe wise, it's the best. I mean, it's not ideal if you go in if you go in a bunker, but it's still cool. But it's a different way to play. If anything, like <laughs> if your if your balance is off, it definitely reveals itself very quickly. But it is it felt very freeing. I thought that was a cool experience, and I was like, oh wow, I've been playing golf for so long, and how how have I never done this? This was pretty cool. Yeah, I actually never gone barefoot either. I would like it. I'm kind of a hippie. <laughs> at heart um i have played around in cowgirl boots though so <laughs> there you go probably the opposite of playing barefoot <laughs> in a heel yeah nothing like a little heel little little leather in the heat <laughs> it actually wasn't so bad it's fun. blistering no blisters and we're fine i agree i had a question for you olivia because obviously i am familiar with your baby food work and a lot of your pattern work but You've done a couple of things in golf, which some people may or may not know. Like you did some really so cool stuff for Callaway. Um, you also designed uh, the logo for the Lido, which is sick. Uh, and I just got to play there. But um, do you remember what was your very first uh, golf design project? Which one came to you first? Well, I had some really bad ones early on in my career. But the, the kind of... I hate to say like big break, although it was a little bit of a break for me, was in 2019, I did, let's start in 2018, I did a set of custom head covers for Callaway for the Masters. So similarly, AJ from Good Boy Originals, who I know that you know, Andrew, he found me on Instagram and he had no idea that I golfed. And he also had no idea that I had been playing Callaway clubs my entire life. And he asked me to come on board for this project for a program they had at the time, which was called Callaway Creates. And basically I designed a flower for each hole at Augusta. You know, every hole is named after a flower. And so it became a pattern that was then put on head covers and given to all the staff Callaway guys that were playing um, in the Masters that week. And it ended up being fun because Tiger won, obviously. It was mm -hmm. probably the most exciting Masters we've had had in a long time but also Molinari was in the final group so the head covers got a lot of airtime which was really really fun and it was a cool intro um it was really my first kind of foray into my passion outside of work and work mixing and then it just kind of snowballed from there I think more people kind of found me and a couple people went out on a limb including the Kaiser family to work with me and 
even though I hadn't done a lot of golf logos, I had a lot of other relevant work. And I think I had a pretty proven understanding of the industry, which is really helpful because there are a lot of really unique application needs in golf. Um, and then it's just kind of, you know, I've just kind of been rolling from there. I try not to take on too much golf work at a time because I do feel like it's, if I, I never want to get to a point where I feel overwhelmed by that. And so mm -hmm. I want to keep it in a balance. You know, I'm never going to become exclusively a golf design studio, but I love that it is part of my work. Yeah, that's awesome. I was completely restocking your Instagram because I've already stalked <laughs> in the past, but now I was doing with an appreciation for golf. And I looked through all the logos that you've done for golf companies and there's, or golf courses, and there's one with a, a boot and dare I say cowboy boot <laughs> and a club that is just incredible. I, I feel like I gasped when I saw that. What can you say what that was for or how you came up with that? Cause I, it spoke to my soul. I loved it so much. To be totally honest, Bonnie, I have no clue what you're talking about, but I'm going to find <laughs> it. I'm going to find <laughs> it and make sure that I do. Oh, that's so well, funny. It, I have to, I'll have to double check. I did develop a boot for a client um that then wasn't chosen but I I'll have to I'll have to back check we'll take that one offline and we'll make sure that we're talking about the same thing but also a fun part of my work is that oh, it's blurry. I oh wait were you gonna show me I was trying to show it but yeah pull it up let's see so that is sort of like a pre it's like a civil war era boot that was for a golf course in Nashville that was not chosen as a final mark um and it is interesting because a lot of Andrew, you know, this, and I mean, Bonnie, you know, this too, like for me to end up with a logo that I present, there will be 25 other logos, you know, that are kind of played out in various, some of them, it's like, I make a shape, I abandon it. Some of them, it's like very played out. So it is interesting because sometimes I'll have these logos that die for one course and then come to be really well-known marks for another course. And so it's interesting seeing how they kind of cross over and sometimes it's really hard when you know I try to take emotion out of my job at this point almost 15 years in I'm very good at not being wed to anything but I do have a couple of heartbreakers I'm not gonna lie I actually loved one so much I got it made on a hat for myself <laughs> and just wear the hat on my own <laughs> but it's such an interesting journey to work with a team of people on you know bringing something what feels as iconic as a course logo to life. Yeah, it's incredible. I can't believe that one didn't get chosen. I would totally get that one on a hat for myself. <laughs> uh, I, it's, I feel you on the kind of having to abandon and just remove yourself from certain designs because we will come up with, you know, styles um, and we'll get pretty far down the path. And then for whatever reason, maybe it's like we can't quite find the perfect fabric or the timing is just like a little off you just have mm. to table it and it just feels like you're ignoring one of your babies but mm. <laughs> you gotta do it for for the good of the the business and I guess in your case for what you're what's best for your client or in my case it's very selfish <laughs> so maybe maybe I let I my bias is like fully integrated into our our clothes so I, I can't imagine just being like oh it's all right we'll just ignore this one <laughs> Mm -hmm. right it's and also uh 
I think a lot of people don't realize that the amount of time that you have to wait or the amount of time that is lost where like if you have a favorite design that's not picked like you know this the brand is not gonna maybe the brand will reconsider it in a year or two um potentially but more more than likely that ship is sailed and maybe you can carry over some of that thinking and us designers we do it all the time like if there's an approach that doesn't work for one brand, you pitch it for somebody else. I'm sure chefs do it all the time too, where they have a bunch of recipes and they mix and match and whatnot. But it's interesting with apparel, um, just cause like talking with friends and like with AJ, cause he works at municipal now, like you learn that there's so much that goes into making clothes and things. And like, you're right, Bonnie, like a fabric choice could like, that's a, that me, might be a shift of a season, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. Your snaps get back ordered. <laughs> so many little oh. things I've experienced. <laughs> it's tough, but we, you know, we persevere. <laughs> the nice thing is we're not saving lives. So it's, it, it's, it's lighthearted at the end of the day, but still we, mm -hmm. you take it so seriously, you pour your heart and soul into to something. Yeah, I agree. Olivia, do you have a favorite logo that you've done? I have to be honest. I love the Lido logo. I think that you know, it was a bold choice. It's it's a siren. So um, it kind of combines the kind of mythological original origin of sirens with a bird woman combo, which then evolved into a basically a mermaid, like a, mm. a woman fish combo. Not so know that. We come, when people think of sirens, they often think of mermaids, but the original original breath was a bird. And so I combine both of those into the mark. It's kind of a hybrid of the hybrids. And um, I definitely have to give credit to Michael Kaiser. It was his idea right out of the gates. He wanted to do, he thought a siren would be great. Their symbolism is really cool. Lido is a course that is all about risk reward. There are so many examples of holes where it is just luring you to make <laughs> the wrong choice. And so that parallel visually with the siren who's known for luring sailors to shore so that they would crash their ships um, just was so perfect. And he also expressed that he wanted something, he and Chris both kind of wanted something weird, like something different, right? And we referenced a couple of examples of logos that you're kind of like, uh, I, don't, I don't really know what's going on here, but I love it. And so I think mm -hmm. we did hit the nail on the head on that. Like a bunch of people have reached out to me and said, you know, like I'm shocked by how much I love this basically. Like it's simple and it says so much without saying anything. And so I really feel like that is one that was well executed kind of from start to finish. Nice. I didn't know. Yeah. All that backstory about uh, the sirens and stuff were, I didn't know that. That's fascinating. And then were you involved another designer nerdy thing that I noticed when I was there is that the color choices for the T markers, obviously they have like the whites. I can't remember if they had blues. We played the whites, but the forward tees were not red. They were this beautiful, uh, almost like a fluorescent orange, like a hunter's orange. Um, were you involved in, were you involved in the choices of those colors or, or did they just kind of pick those on their own? They're great. I was not involved in that. I do think that culturally we're seeing such a shift away from red teas, which I think is awesome. I think moving towards teas that are based on ability and less on gender, which, you know, really makes no sense. Like I play whatever teas I need to play. It's solely based on distance. I literally look at the number 
and I pick the tea based on that. And so I think it's awesome that they're not red. I think culturally we're seeing that more broadly in golf, but I can't take any credit. There is an amazing creative director um, at Sand Valley as well. So I'm guessing that that was her work. Nice. It's just fun, especially with like the, the, the green of the grass and like you get some really interesting color combos. I thought that was like a really fun contemporary touch. So anyways, Bonnie, that one club, and then I want to talk about clubs for a second. That one club that you bought for the first time, because I have a funny first club story. What was that club that you took to the golf course? It was a 50 degree wedge that was kind of like a gunmetal. I couldn't even tell you what what brand it was. <laughs> I think it was a Callaway. <laughs> I got, I, I, this is how my mind works. I remember how much I paid for it. I remember spending yeah. $53 on this club and thinking, man, I'm really committing yeah. to the sport. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> compared to how much everything else costs. Um, but I, I used that club. I forget if I said this already, but I, for a year, I, that's, I was like, you don't get golf clubs unless you, you know, kind of commit to something. And I also, we were funny, we were talking about tees and, people going to them based on ability. I almost was like the opposite. I didn't, I didn't get it. I thought like the more, the better player, I kind of got the better players played from the back. I Mm -hmm. never liked being told I couldn't do something pretty competitive. So I used to play from the very back, like furthest back tees with my wedge. That's what I would (laughs) drive with. And then then I would also putt with this wedge. I know how embarrassing. Now I try to do a lot of, I know. I now I try to do a lot on like golf etiquette because even if you're terrible, you can have better etiquette than I did. Sure. But bless then like fresh shiny boyfriend now husband for putting up with this. And then I would I would also I would also run between shots because I didn't appreciate the golf cart. I was like, why you're out here for hours? And at the time, I was I was working in investment banking, so I didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of time. So I was like, we're gonna knock out a a workout while I play golf so I'm gonna run it's efficient but <laughs> it was so yeah. I would love to play golf or whatever it's called when people mm-hmm. like sprint between holes um that would so be my jam talking about um casual ways to play golf I would be all about it um that's a great yeah, story I, yeah I I kind of try to lean into the cringe but it was quite cringe and um now I try to make everybody feel good about their golf game and how they got started just needs a club you just need a club <laughs> and maybe like a hint of etiquette more than i had that's it honestly you just just play fast i will say i have a lot of respect for your club choice uh out of all of the clubs you could have gone driver you were like no that's crazy you could have gone putter no like you went to like a responsible like a gap wedge is an excellent choice you can putt with it you can hit it pretty far it's great I like that. The the event that I played in this weekend had one of the holes and it was just, you know, kooky and fun where I can't remember how we got to this point, but there was some type of like ring toss or something on the tee. And depending on how you played in the ring toss, your team would either be able to, you get to pick two clubs per person to play the hole. And it was like a par five. So I, it was fun, but you, you know, it makes you think about just golf in different ways. So I, I teed off and, um, hit a decent drive to the right rough, but then we were thinking about the second shot, and we were like, "Oh well, what should we play?" And then uh, Eric, one of the I played with Eric, he's like the CEO of Fair Game. He was like, "He's like, dude, you should just hit your driver again, just off the deck." So then 
because it's a scramble, so you're just taking advantage. So we so we fluffed the ball up on the and this is like US mid am rough, Olivia. So it was just sitting up perfect. And then I yeah, so I just went driver driver. Um pulled the second one, but like just within wedge distance, but it was fun. And I think it's like little things like that when you just start to break down just some of those traditional rules, i.e. you have to play with 13 gloves or you have to play this way, golf becomes more fun. Um, I even played with, um, there's this guy named Akbar. Um, he has this brand called Seamus. They make head covers out in Oregon. And I was hanging with him this summer and he's a big like half set guy. He's like, I'm going to take out six or eight clubs. And I found that to be so refreshing. And I shoot the same thing. It just doesn't matter. And I think just those little ways of just mixing up, mixing up golf that's not traditional in a sense, it's fun. I'd be, I would, I would watch a half set tournament on TV, you know? That would be fun. If I had to watch pros only pick like two to three clubs, I would be all over that. <laughs> I love, I love the challenge. Um, yeah. I didn't realize I was challenging myself at the time. I was just being efficient, but it does give you a healthy perspective on, you don't need all the crazy bells and whistles to have a good time or to enjoy the sport. For sure. Now, who's still playing Callaways? I have a couple in my bag. Olivia, what's your setup look like these days? Okay, I have, um, I'm playing a Rogue Driver. I am Callaway head to toe. So I have Rogue Driver, I have Paradigm, Fairy Woods, and a hybrid, uh, four hybrid. And then I have um, Maverick Pro Irons, and I mm -hmm. have some Jaws wedges. And then I have a nice. seven. I have some, I've I played some version of like a seven Odyssey putter in every iteration of it over the last probably 10 years, honestly. So I've just gone through from like the tank, the Versa 7. I just keep, I love that that format fits my eye, suits my eyes so well. So, and I even have the Ogeo bag. So I am really Callaway, top there to bottom, diehard loyalist. Nice. Wait, is that putter, is that the mallet one? Or like the forked mallet? Yeah, no. well, kind of. Yeah, it looks kind of like this. It has like a front part and then two kind of little tongs off the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very difficult to pick up a ball. That's kind of the only negative. I feel like to scoop and pick it up for some reason <laughs> is almost impossible. So yeah. minus one point for that. Right. That, that's always funny. That should be like a prerequisite. Can I scoop up a ball with this golf club? And some of them don't do it. Like I have a lab putter now and I can't. It's, no, it doesn't work. You think it's a club thing, not a person thing? Because I cannot do it. <laughs> Probably a combo of both. But I don't have, well, I guess I have, well, I had the one club that I think was a Callaway, but I, I gave it to someone. <laughs> Wait, so what do you, what do you have now? So my bag, it's super sexy. I have my grandma's hand-me-down clubs. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I mean, she balled out back in the day when she bought them. So they are nice clubs that they're um, Cobras. And then, oh, I hate myself right now for not remembering what my irons are send us a picture yeah i'll send you all a picture um but definitely cobras um for the woods <laughs> and then i have a white hot putter that's probably they're all probably 20 25 years old um but Fantastic. i i love my clubs and i don't think i'm quite good enough to see a real difference <laughs> if i had fancy clubs um and then the the og club i kind of have like a sisterhood of the traveling pants moment with those i gave that club to my co-founder as her first golf club very cool and now she lends it out to people who need a golf club 
See, that's fun. And look, and it's a responsible club. I mean, even Adam Scott has said it. He's like, start with your wedge game, short game, 100 yards and in. That's it. 100%. That is my best club. (laughs) Yeah, there's really like, if you're, if you're just starting, there is really no reason that you need a full set of golf clubs. Truly. You basically need, like, if you're going to go out and play, you probably need four clubs or even three. You just don't need much. And so it is a really cost prohibitive sport, but you can definitely piece together like a functional bag as a beginner um you know and not break the bank and still be making like the progress that you want to make um kind of across all categories i mean i i feel like i walk into thrift stores and every time without fail there is a like probably like 50 to 100 gloves every time mm-hmm. um and i just i got i confirmed i have pings ping irons so sorry Callaway. <laughs> I wanted to be like Olivia, but I'm not. <laughs> well, there's a lot of great clubs to play. I'm just a Callaway homer. There's everyone has their brand, you know, that they're like a loyalist too. So sure. Yeah. I'm just rogue. <laughs> it's all good. Now, Olivia, I know it's starting to get cold out there. Are you still do you play through the winter or is it just too brutal out there? So I have one tournament left. I have uh we're playing the US four ball qualifier, which is October fifth. And in the past, you know, we always have an early qualifier for that, the championships in the spring, but we have ours in the fall. So we've had snow on this qualifier before. So we'll see how the weather holds up for that. But, you know, I have two really young kids. So I used to train all winter pretty intensely. Now between work and having a family, I mean, I'll try to hit balls once every three weeks. Just golf is a constant touch sport. You, It's really hard to just not do it for five months and then come back and expect to be good. So I will say for sure right now, I am doing the minimum viable product of winter effort. You go mama. That is very impressive. My co-founder has two little ones. Um, They are almost two and almost four. Yeah. I'm in the exact same zone. It's Mm -hmm. she does not sleep. I don't, I do not think. (laughs) Um, So very impressive. Yeah, that is impressive. I have one. Uh, Remy is four. So uh, we're all in, yeah, it's like, or sim- similar zones. So like, are your kids into golf at all, Olivia? Or no, they're just kind of like, yeah, thing that mom does, it's cool. Well, I definitely had to, I've seen a lot of people get hit over like 20 years of playing, 25 years of playing. And so I had to get over that like anxiety hurdle for myself that a golf course is a safe place for kids to be because. Once you see a couple people get hit, it's hard to get that out of your head. And so my oldest, I I take the double stroller. I put my clubs on one side of the double stroller and her on the other side of the double stroller. And then we play. And that has been really great. She likes to bring a notebook and write down every club I hit. So I think she's maybe on the trajectory for a future tour caddy. But I right now... I'm really taking the slow burn. Like, I think if I force her into it, I don't know that she's going to think it's fun, but my hope is, you know, golf has allowed me to spend so much time with my dad and so much time with family that I maybe otherwise wouldn't have spent. And so I do hope long-term that they'll love it. That would be my dream. I love that your story will take notes. Yeah. She's very, very first born. 
very much like myself. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they got to do it. I mean, you got to start them sometime. Yeah, I feel like I'm trying to at least have my my kid around it. And if he likes it, great. And if he doesn't, all good. But at least like you've, as long as you're around it and you've experienced it, for me, that's all that really matters. So and you and you know how to hit a draw. You just you just you can, you can do it. But if you choose not to, I I accept that that life choice. So. That's just me. So, Bonnie, maybe give us a little of, uh, of a peek. I know we're, at least in the East Coast, East Coast, we're at the end of the season, but in some places it's always warm and things continue. But um, with Sierra, what are you guys working on now? Like what can keep people keep an eye out for over the next couple months, et cetera, et cetera? Like what pieces are coming? I'm just very curious. Oh, I, I'm an open book, so I'll just I'll tell you some high-level stuff so I, I don't get in too much trouble. But um, one of our most requested products is actually merch so we don't really have we really just focus on the clothes it's where all of our energy goes um so we'll be coming out with some more hats and oversized t-shirt which is a look that i just yeah. love with a golf squirt or biker short mm-hmm. um and i don't see any of that for for women really out there um and then as we get further into colder weather we will be coming out with some colder weather weather things so I won't go too into it uh and then we are just full steam ahead for next spring which I feel like we kind of break up into like early spring late spring and then summer um so we'll be not only growing um the current product bases in terms of colors and sizes um make that all more inclusive uh but also we're coming out with some new materials that I haven't seen in golf before that I think will be um I think it will be really cool for lack of a good word. Um, but yeah, just continuing to try to stay um in the requirements of golf apparel, but push, but start to push um golf courses like a little bit out of their comfort zone. Um, and so that we can kind of grow, I think, golf <laughs> as an industry for women, if we can be more accepting of different kinds of apparel that are still elevated and conservative, um, but mm-hmm. let's make them sporty and functional and wearable off the course. For sure. Kind of some new and some growing of what we originally came out with. Nice. I'm very curious when you say like just within the rules of golf, because I've no, obviously the rules are slowly evolving and changing. Um, I'm curious as a brand, like obviously, cause you have to think about the gauntlet of like, we want to make something for golfers, but you don't want to alienate and you want to make sure people are actually like wearing it and considering it. Like, what are those, is it basically collar? Is that pretty much the only rule? So I will say it depends on the course a lot. Um, cause oh, it, it really, it does depend on the course. And Olivia, maybe you can even speak to this more than, than I can, but from our research, certain courses are totally okay without sleeves. Maybe without a collar too, um, oh, but then some require that. a collar, and they might specify if it has to be a you know polo collar or a mock neck. And ninety nine percent of the time, a mock neck is going to be okay. Um, sometimes not having sleeves doesn't fly, um, so you can't wear a tank format. Hmm. Um, and then there's also can be rules I think on skirt length, but that one's that one's kind of tough. <laughs> Um, yeah. so I don't think you can really wear like a mini skirt, but I don't, I think we're getting away from needs to be above the knee, like that long, you know, like there's no like direct, like, oh, your fingertips, like kind of like middle school style, but got you got to be conservative, but yeah, it really is 
case by case um because that's feedback we get a lot it's like oh well these are the club rules and I'm like well actually like Tyre Woods won the Masters at Augusta National wearing a mock neck so I bet if you brought that up you'd be okay so um some courses have rules most of the time you'll be just fine wearing a mock neck um and if you want to be a little bit more conservative maybe a sleeve for sure I love a mock neck there's like a small brand here out of New York that started making some for men and uh it's and maybe just maybe this just like the guy's perspective but because tiger wore it for so long it just became this thing that was synonymous with tiger woods and <laughs> it you know your your boys will roast you if you try to wear a mock neck and you're like oh you're trying to wear the tiger thing but i also i got over that recently and like i have a really nice blue one it's just like a dark navy blue and it's great because it's like it's com- it's comfortable like a t-shirt i like the way a mock neck feels when you're playing and I was like, oh, I kind of love wearing this thing. So anyways, mock necks are awesome. Different. Well, I'm glad you could pierce through the, the, the stigma. I haven't heard that um, for maybe it's different for women. Um, I think for women, it's just kind of a classy, elevated look. Um, and you can get away with it on the golf course, which is nice. Just yeah. shakes, it, shakes it up a bit. But yeah, there, there can be rules. But I think we're, we're growing to a place that accepts a lot of clothing, which is which is great. Which is great. Oh, I've never been right. kicked off a golf course for wearing Sierra Madre, and I try to like test it <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> that's that's a good test. One last question. So, Olivia, are there any golf projects that are that you have in your back pocket that will com- be coming out soon? Are you working on anything at the moment? I am. <laughs> She's like, I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I will say that three of them are new builds. Um, cool. Which is really cool. Uh, four actually are new builds. Oof. And so that is really fun. That is a really fun place to come into a branding project with a golf course. Um, we're definitely seeing obviously like more construction, especially in Florida right now. We're seeing a lot more new builds. I think post COVID era, as we've seen such a huge increase in golf revenues across the country. Um, people are a little less wary to invest in development because they feel like there's a pretty predictable return on it. So that's been really fun. But so I have four new courses. I can't say much more than that, but they're really cool. And um, you'll know about them soon. Nice. Very good. I mean, Maybe I'm, I'm trying to think if you gave us any breadcrumbs there, like is, is South Florida a breadcrumb? Maybe. So one is in the, one is in the, um, <laughs> she's is, like, I can't. One tell. is in Florida. <laughs> okay. One is in Minnesota. Okay. One, I don't, I don't know how deep I can get into this. Um, and two are west of Minnesota. Fair, fair enough. I will, I will take. Well, that. there's actually five. So, and one is oh, in Nashville. That one oh, actually wow. is very, very close to being public, um, and that will, that should be public. I mean, within the next week or two here. Dope. You're busy. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. It is fun. I think it's a. It's just, yeah, it's a beautiful process. I mean, you both know, like working with someone to start from nothing and end up at something. It's just, it's very fulfilling. Well, thanks for the time, ladies. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fair Game Podcast. If you haven't already, 
You can hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever service you may be using. We've also launched the Fair Game app, golf's first digital clubhouse, the place to play your game and connect with golfers across the country. You can find it in the App Store or on Google Play. You can also find us on Instagram at Fair Game Golf and check out some of our original videos on our YouTube page. You can find all these links in the podcast episode details. We'll see you next time.